It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Daniil Hunter always was in the building, but now Daniil Hunter is in the building. Hey, this is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. I just learned that Sam and Luke only just found out about Immaculate Grid, making my intro from last week pointless. Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Hey, saw Justin Jefferson rocking those 99 club Madden cleats out practice. Makes me wonder, what's Sam Ekstrom's rating after his official combine workout? A two. (laughs) (laughs) Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in a new week on the Minnesota Football Party here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Follow me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Joined today on this Monday by Luke Inman, NFL Draft Buzz newsletter author. He's at Luke underscore Spinman on Twitter. And Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. We are Luke Bromless today as he travels from California, getting through those, those Rocky Mountains into the Midwest, landing in the Twin Cities, so he too can attend the invigorating Minnesota Vikings training camp where Daniil Hunter is now present. Uh, He signs a restructured one-year deal over the weekend, easily the top story heading into the week as the Vikings hit the practice field again today after a day off. We'll also have full training camp takeaways. I'll empty my notebook from what I've seen uh, the first four days of camp We'll talk about some surprises at cornerback, including Jawan Williams' presence being made known and maybe a little kicker competition talk to end the show. But uh, Luke Inman, we'll kick it off with you, my man. Daniil Hunter, yesterday morning, agrees to a restructured deal with the Vikings, 17 guaranteed, $20 million total. Uh, your thoughts on Daniil officially being back in purple? Well, let's let out that big collective sigh of relief, finally. Once and for all, uh, I think Hunter, obviously, he probably won a long-term deal, right? More security. But Quasey, man, just continues to dish out these baby deals. He will not commit to anyone long-term more than what? What's the longest we've seen? Three years? I'm sure once we get into the J.J. Hawkinson, Derrissaw extensions, we'll finally see something longer than three years. But um, I think it's about as close of a win-win as you can probably get for both sides Hunter finally gets about a, what, 400% pay buff, gets some incentives thrown in as well, up to $20 million. And if he balls out and if he stays healthy, then, I mean, he's due. He's in for a massive deal next year with somebody, whether it's the Vikings or not. And just knowing kind of the going right now, too, after studying all this and getting deep in the weeds with these edge rushers, if he puts up a normal Daniil Hunter season in 2023, he's probably looking at a three-year, $80 million deal with somebody. Um, through the Vikings lens you get to keep one of your best players at arguably one of the biggest positions of needs, most valuable positions in the game right now, just in general, that's edge rusher. I think it was last Wednesday, Sam, the mailbag show with Reggie Wilson. I talked Mm -hmm. about Quasey kind of shedding some more light on what this competitive rebuild actually means. And he really made it sound like, okay, the objective here is to always have a roster at its floor that can still sneak into the playoffs. Because once you're in, you never know what can happen. So maybe you don't have that Super Bowl roster and window every so often, but you don't have to endure the 3-13 and seasons after you strip it down to the studs. Whether you agree with that philosophy or not, if that's your game plan and mindset, it's really hard to sell the fan base when you don't retain some of your best core players. And I just thought it was going to be so important if you realistically thought Flores was going to be able to drastically improve this defense at all, or even just get it up to middle of the pack, then you got to give him some talent to work with. And we've kind of talked about it all offseason the past three, four months. 
he had a great season very quietly. Double-digit sacks, top 10 in pressures, playing a new position for the first time, wasn't really being used properly in certain areas. Let's be real here. No disrespect to guys like Wanham and Patrick Jones, but you already lost Zedarius Smith, and now you're talking about losing potentially two top 10 edge rushers in one offseason and getting better on defense, that's a tough sell to the fan base. The drop-off in talent from Hunter to the next guys was so big. The contrast was so huge that I don't know if it would have been realistic to expect anything but another below-average performance from that defense, whether it was Ed Donatel or Brian Flores calling the shots. I think it was on Friday's practice. I watched some Vikings highlights up on Viking.com. Mm-hmm. They had a clip where Luigi Villain was running with the ones. He was with the first team. And I mean, again, good on him, but you're talking about a UDFA from last year being forced to take some reps with the starters simply because you're starting to run out of bodies back there. But I know you got the whole youth movement going on, but you still got at least one key veteran at each level of defense now with Daniil Hunter on the D-line. You got Jordan Hicks, that linebacker, Harrison Smith in the secondary. And I just think it it puts them in a really good position to still retain Daniil Hunter next year if you see him as part of the long-term plans after you sign J.J. and Hawkinson to those extensions, hopefully by next offseason. So, yeah, all in all, I think it was a big win-win and a good job of Kwesi to at least get Daniil back in purple for at least one more season. By the way, did you see a little good cop, bad cop going on with Kwesi and KOC? Because every time I heard KOC get asked about Daniil Hunter up at the podium, and Sam, you've been there all week, it just sounded like he was always team Daniil Hunter like he always made you feel good about the communication that was going on behind the scenes while Quasi, I'm sure had to be the bad guy and be the penny pincher yeah yeah KOC was more I'd say optimistic in his tone and Quasi, I think got really put on the spot by a Kevin Seifert question who asked him very directly will Daniil be on the team Quasi, not wanting to overcommit had to dodge that and he sounded kind of evasive in doing so, but Arif, Arif <laughs> let me let me lead into you with this. We're brought to you by FanDuel on this show. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. You know who was ready to, to punch the under on the Vikings win total if Daniel Hunter left? Luke Braun. Luke Braun was jumping off the cliff if Daniel Hunter was off this team. I think he's on record saying that they're well, like well, now I've changed win. my mind. Now I think the extension's a bad idea. <laughs> he said... <laughs> You're thrilled, too, that he's gone today, aren't you? Um, he thought this was a six-win operation without Daniil Hunter. And now that Daniil is back, Luke Braun can actually uh, you know, hold his head up high wearing that Vikings shirt at practice today. But, uh, Arif, it, it felt like Saturday was sort of the last call because there was the leak about Daniil Hunter being available via trade. Uh, maybe they got a couple calls. Third round pick, third round pick. Hey, doesn't meet our threshold. We're going to hang on to him. Do you think that's how it went down here? How did you interpret the events leading up to this? And then obviously, what do you make of the final uh, resolution? Yeah, I, I don't know how much of an impact the the leak of, of the trade rumors had. But like very clearly, I think it was part of the negotiating strategy that the Vikings had. Um, so like... You know, whether or not it changed things, I think that it was just kind of like we saw part of the process play out in that in that respect. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't work out a long term deal because I think both sides do want a long term deal. But obviously they have disagreements over what that would look like. I think that um, for a player with the injury history of someone like Hunter, it's very clear that something like guarantees would play a very big role in what any long-term extension would look like, right? Like somebody like Hunter probably wants more guaranteed money because I think that the lack of guaranteed money in his previous contract, um, especially as he you know started missing games, was a big problem for him. And then, you know, the Vikings obviously don't want to commit to a player that they don't know whether or not he'll be available in, in the form of guaranteed money. And also when you provide guaranteed money, that is just much more difficult to move around. And so you end up with a more static, inflexible contract that makes it much more difficult for you to do all of the cat mechanics and magic that we actually saw the Vikings do this season. Um, they're currently 18 million or, or they were right before the Daniel Hunter um, mm-hmm. signing. They were currently $18 million in in the cap. And remember, people were freaking, including us, we're, we're talking about like, oh my God, they're $50 million over the cap. Well, they're, you know, 18 million under, probably, probably 10 million under now because of uh, the extension, but like all of those 
changing cap dynamics as a result of, you know, how flexible they've created these these contracts. Some of that has to do with the fact that it's not all in signing bonus right away. You can change things. So I think that that was, you know, and we'll see, you know, like Luke said, you know, by the end of the year, the Vikings might be able to work out a long term deal with Hunter, see what that looks like. Maybe, you know, he has to demonstrate that he can string together a bunch of games, just not in terms of um, performance, although that's obviously key, but in terms of health, just being available um, for a bunch of games before the Vikings were saying, hey, you know, maybe. It, it seems unlikely that, you know, the pectoral tear has like this persistent injury that's going to result in in having lost games. We're going to finally be able to figure out, um, you know, if if he has, you know, the durability that we need. You know, it's it's really like Luke said, you know, hey, two top 10 edge rushers. That's really important to emphasize. Daniel was sixth in the NFL last year in total pressures during the regular season. Um and he's a top tier run defender, right? I mean, that's what he was. That's that's his that was his primary role. And then he became, you know, this extraordinary pass rusher on top of it. What are you going to do without him? Probably not much. So yeah, I, I think that um, you know, it's nice that they have him available for the season. I don't know if I'd call it a win-win. I think that both sides wanted a longer deal, but I wouldn't call it a lose-lose either. Arif brings up a, a quick great point here, Sam. Arguably one of the more underrated run defenders at that position still in the entire NFL. People think Daniil Hunter, they think pass rusher. He's always, right out the gate coming up from LSU, been really, really good, really strong in run support as well. And I think that flies under the radar a little bit, just how much of a complete player he is at that edge rusher position. How big is this, though, for Marcus Davenport? Because the trickle-down effect is now that Daniil is suddenly the number one threat off the edge. He takes up most of the attention. And now Marcus Davenport, who might have been overmatched as such an obvious number one, now gets to be that number two, which I think is gigantic for Marcus Davenport, who's got immense pressure. He's being asked to do more this year in terms of workload. He's working inside. He's working outside. There's a lot on his plate. And now just a little less on his plate. Now that Daniil Hunter is on the other side, he gets to come in and I think be a nice fit here with Brian Flores. But suddenly the the 0 and 99 dynamic on the edges looks a little more formidable than the 0 and 98 dynamic with DJ Wanham in there. <laughs> All due respect. Um, but yeah, it wasn't looking good. I mean, Luke, this is just this elevates everybody, I think, in that rotation now where they're in the proper spot in the pecking order instead of trying to play kind of out of their realm. Everybody obviously is going to look right at the front seven right away. How about the secondary? Oh my gosh, they're going to be running that man coverage scheme quite a bit. The difference between covering a guy for two and a half seconds versus three and a half seconds doesn't sound like a lot. It's huge in the NFL. And I think having that edge rusher that can give you consistent pass rush, especially on a third down, third and long situations for Brian Flores to feel comfortable and confident to be able to dial up some of these exotic blitzes and looks. Um, I think that's going to be a huge piece to the Brian Flores puzzle that we're all still kind of waiting to unfold here a little bit. We're, we're seeing a little bit of bits and pieces here at practice, but I don't think until maybe, you know, a quarter of the way into the season, will we really understand not only what Brian Flores is trying to do here, but what he's trying to do with these specific pieces that he has to work with. And Daniil Hunter, as you mentioned, is going to be a huge piece of that puzzle. Yeah, you know who's upset, Arif, potentially, at uh, at this news? It's the Luigi Villains, the Patrick Joneses, the DJ Wanhams. One of them might be cut because of this, because of the trickle-down effect that it has on the roster, but also their playing time is impacted. Uh, good for the Vikings from a depth perspective though, now that you don't have your, you know, your first guy off the bench being Luigi Villain. I mean, there is kind of a, there is a domino effect here that looks a lot better on paper. Yeah. I mean, just wait for Andre Carter to come off the NFI list and then, and then we oh can talk goodness. about how great Oof. that depth is. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the you know, the knock on effects of, of Hunter, like we, we talk a lot when we talk about players about the individual impact that they have. Hunter has so many pressures, you know, all that, but 
um, you know, the the ability for the Vikings to field a more fully capable edge rusher unit, um, the fact that they probably won't have to rely on, you know, shadow depth, which is depth from other positions, somebody like maybe an Ivan Pace from linebacker or somebody like a, a James Lynch or an Asesia Tamewo uh, at defensive end, you know, not the edge rusher position in the current Vikings defense, but people who have played edge rusher positions before in college that might want to switch outside in the same same way that Afadio Denebo did, you know, for the Vikings a couple mm. of years ago. You don't have mm. to rely on that. You don't have to make a choice between, man, do I want to play Luigi Villain or do I want to play Odenabo, right? And the knock-on effects are even bigger than that, right? Because when you have your, your, your third down package ready, obviously the Vikings are going to blitz a lot more often, so the dynamic is a little bit different than last year. But let's take last year, for example. Um, you had somebody like Sedarius Smith kind of lining up on the inside. He ended up taking on um, a, a fair amount of double teams, which unleashed, you know, Daniil Hunter because of the ways that Darius Smith would line up. Now, the Vikings probably won't move Daniil Hunter around. They might move Marcus Davenport around. You could have a similar effect. But what's really important here is to think about what happened with Marcus Davenport in New Orleans, which was that he was double teamed much more often than Cameron Jordan, right? So, uh, which I find really fascinating, right? Because people kind of perceive Cameron Jordan to be the star edge rusher there. Marcus Davenport is kind of the disappointing first round sort of bust that they've had. He wasn't able to produce, but he was double teamed a lot more often. Some of that's because of his versatility to play inside, just like Zedaria Smith. But some of that's too because he was probably the more talented player there. And we saw kind of what the end result was that, you know, if he's double teamed more often, his pressure rate wasn't awful or anything like that, but it wasn't phenomenal. And obviously everyone knows about the sack rate. Now that he gets to be kind of the secondary guy, now that we get to see, you know, kind of um, players like Ivan Pace, players like Luigi Villane, people like DJ Wanam be put into their most optimal roles, right? Like a third down pass rusher, we'll get to see kind of better and more efficient production from the rest of that roster because of Hunter's gravity and presence. Yeah. And again, we talk about Quasi buying the dip. Marcus Davenport was top 10 in pass rush productivity two years ago. So the bet is that, okay, if he can get back to that, and we have Daniil, uh, we might be in a pretty good spot. This is uh, a lot of players the Vikings signed that were good two years ago. That That is the quasi, yeah. Darius, Dean The Lowry. quasi special, mm. That that's yeah. for sure. Uh, extended FanDuel time here. They've got a prop, Daniil Hunter to record 10-plus sacks in the regular season, guess the line. What do you think, Luke? What do you think the odds are on that? Uh, the over/under, what the line is? Uh, Just on the, sacks? Well, the on over/under, the, mon- 10, the money right? line, the money line on ten plus sacks. What do you think? I think that would be minus one thirty. I was going to go minus one thirty as well. You know, screw it. it. Just for something different, minus one forty. You guys, you guys know your stuff. Uh, minus one twenty-five. Mm. Can't get any closer than that guess. Um, mm. Daniil Hunter minus one twenty-five to record ten plus sacks. So, so uh, question is: Are you guys taking the over? Are you guys hitting it? I mean, I think you feel we both, good about it. We both basically said you probably should. Right? Probably should. I mean, right? this is not gambling advice, but you probably should. No, but but they are giving <laughs> away free money, basically. Yeah, yeah but also. <laughs> I'm looking at all the the Vikings uh, prop specials. Vikings to score one plus touchdown in every regular season game. Vikings to beat the Packers on the road and at home. Jordan Addison to score ten receiving touchdowns. That's all. Well, what are the lines on these first two? You got my antennas up here, Sam. All right. Well, we'll get to that after I finish telling you more about FanDuel betting, uh, NFL, MLB futures on every league it's every line it's every league it's FanDuel. it's all there uh new customers can get up to 10 times their initial bet in bonus bets back so you put 20 on the daniel hunter prop you get 200 whether it wins or loses you get 200 that's the promotion going on at FanDuel. many great promotions there all the time no better place to wager on baseball than FanDuel. Full slate of games tonight no minnesota twins that's okay there's run lines there's money lines on that as well it's America's number one sports book. It's fanduel.com slash locked on, fanduel.com slash locked on. Get those 200 free dollars in bonus bets, whether you win or lose, and bet baseball or NFL futures at FanDuel. They're an official partner, by the way, of Major League Baseball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found... Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients 
and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So here are the lines on those uh, props I alluded to. Vikings to score a touchdown in every game, even money, plus 100. Um, Was there a game last year where they didn't? Eagles, they did. Um, Packers, they did. Cowboys. 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 Cowboys game. 40 to three. Yep. All it takes is one. All it takes is one. I mean, we should have remembered from the Netflix documentary, right? That was the one that broke Kirk Cousins' streak. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Addison to score 10 TDs. No. Plus 340. That's a plus. Plus 340. Hey, I'll tell you what. JJ, and obviously TDs are are super hit and miss in fantasy year after year, but JJ, for whatever reason, didn't catch a ton of TDs given how much receptions and targets and yardage he had. Maybe he could hit double digits. I wouldn't bet that, though. I probably wouldn't touch that one. Plus 340. From a a yards to touchdown uh, ratio, because generally players regress to 100 yards per touchdown. I think I mentioned this on the show before. Um, mm. that's just like generally been true. It's just kind of convenient. That also happens to be the length of the field. Um, only one player in mm. NFL history did not. That's Rob Gronkowski. He averaged 80 over 100. Um, mm. and then, you know, I think historically we can say like Julio on the other side of it, Julio Jones wasn't, um, but Jefferson has not hit, um, in any of his three years, um, a touchdown for every 100 yards. It, it might be kind of the one area of his game that's just a little bit less developed. He might just not be the kind of red zone receiver that Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. Um, which could create opportunities for somebody like a Jordan Addison, who, you know, we tend to think of red zone receivers as like your Eric Deckers and your Brandon Marshalls and, you know, these, these guys that have the ability to just go up and get it and are like enormous humans that can box out. But Adam Thielen was a very, very good red zone receiver, right? And so... Uh, you know, you might, it's a spacing thing. In fact, Decker won more because of his ability to create space in the red zone than it was his size. Um, So if Addison has kind of the same red zone instincts that like Diggs and Thielen had, um, you know, you might end up with that. But I think that that is a a pretty optimistic projection. When you've got a two tight end offense now, I think that there's just going to be more targets funneled to people like Hawkinson and Oliver. So I, I, I would find it, tough especially because now there's going to be more run attempts uh near the five so um i'd find it tough to to give addison 10 340 though that's yeah, jefferson though. to have 15 is plus 900 15 touchdowns like wow that it's a lot i mean 900 is tempting but no i'm not touching that yeah madison you said they're gonna run inside the five you said that right madison sure. to score yeah. 15 touchdowns 15 rushing touchdowns Plus nineteen hundred. Nineteen hundred. I mean, fifty. I would rather put my money on the Jefferson at nine than that one. Yeah, that one. That one's rough. Um, if it was rushing and receiving, roster, right? even though we we you know we don't forecast him to be a, a monster third down guy, but yeah, I, like, could, still. I could I could see Madison getting like two two receiving touchdowns. That would help. Yeah. out that kind of total. Yeah. Cousins yeah. to uh, cousins to score five rushing touchdowns. What's that? Plus two thousand. I mean, he scored three or four Sweet. one year in Washington, right? Last year, I think he had two. Yeah, last I mean, year. I mean, he's been, he's been running a little bit more, enough that Kevin O'Connell was pretty surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I, don't, I don't like any of these. <laughs> yeah, like we're, get, we're getting way out there these now. Are, yeah, these are the sucker bets. Two more, two more on the list. Uh-huh. Uh, Vikings to sweep the NFC North, plus 2,400. Okay. Yeah, I take that. It's not a bad bet. Couple, I mean, obviously the tough, two tough road games. Soldier Field also really a third tough road game. Well, it's and tough. the fact that the the tough ones are Detroit, right at the end of the day, like, oh, mm-hmm. can we win both first Detroit? 
But the fact that it's at the end of the year, you never know what can happen in a long gauntlet season in the NFL. Who knows? Maybe, you know, they're forced to try just, out Hendon just, Hooker I, by the end of the year. Jared Goff's on the IR. I can't trust Jared Goff, man. That's my issue. The yeah. Lions have a phenomenal roster. Great yes. roster. Yes. I just can't. I can't trust Jared Goff. Yeah. Um, 160 to 1. Longest shot on the board. Vikings to score one rushing touchdown in every regular season game. Hmm. Interesting. 160 to one. How do you yeah, not throw that? Just, on, I'd throw you, that like 10 bucks on that. Yeah, yeah. How do you not just throw five bucks on that? <laughs> five bucks to get 190. Right. Or no, to get nine to get 900. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, those props available at FanDuel. Um, all right. Arif has to leave a bit early, but before you go, I want to ask you about Jawan Williams because he's probably been one of the winners of week one of camp. First team work every day. Um, looks huge out there. I mean, the, the size of this defense with um, Metellus roaming around in the box, Jawan Williams roaming around, the two of them on the field together in the dime. That's a big secondary. Caleb Evans is not small either. So what do you what do you make of Jawan Williams being a at this point starter on paper? Um, I think that it'll in, like lend itself to kind of the diversity in scheme positions that the Vikings might pick, right? Because you know we know that there's a, a heavy cover zero, cover one usage in historically the Brian Flores defense, but when you have players like a Caleb Evans and uh, Jawan Williams, you really kind of want them to stay on the outside a lot of the times and a lot of snaps, uh, in which case you maybe don't necessarily want cover one when players are running like crossing routes inside. It could be kind of a pickup from the cover three stuff that we're used to seeing from the previous era of NFL defenses where they stay on the outside because it's cover three. They play in man technique in cover three. So it's more, um, I guess, Seattle style than Carolina style uh, or more than more uh, and less Zimmer style um, to try and keep them on the outside. Um, while still enabling a ton of different blitzes. So that could be a wrinkle, but I, I do like the idea that you've got these like, you know, enormous matchup corners. The problem is, you know, I, I don't recall Jawan Williams' speed. Was it like a 4-6? It wasn't super impressive. I mean, he, he was a second-round pick, so it must not have been a 4-6 exactly. But, but you know, a second-round pick under Belichick. I mean, throw okay, everything yeah, out no, the that's window. True, that's true. Yeah, right, it's right. crazy, Cole right? Strange. Like a Deron Harmon was like a second-round pick, too, right? You know? Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's it, so there are some matchup issues you have to be concerned about. I don't know, aside from Kalen Barnes, who just seems more like a special teamer to me, although he wasn't phenomenal enough on special teams to consistently make rosters. Um, and his PFF grade for Carolina's special teams weren't wonderful. But I mean, aside from him, I just don't know who the matchup guys are for when they do throw out like a, a Jamison Williams out there, like a speed guy that... Um, you know, you might have to to find somebody fast enough to to deal with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love kind of the versatility and potential that that having a, a secondary with like Byron Murphy in the slot and Jawan Williams on the outside and Caleb Evans on the outside provides you. Um, but are you just going to be like, hey, there's a fast guy. We're suddenly going to play Andrew Booth, who we otherwise just don't trust at all. Like, is that what's going to happen? Yeah. Is this like pro Luke? Is this good for Williams like oh look at this guy emerging or do we look at it as well wait so Andrew Booth is just a two like they don't they're not even giving Booth a chance right to be a first teamer right there's there's two sides to this coin right and Evans as well seems to be just cemented right like an afterthought yeah. as well too He's I like, mean yeah. you know three months ago that was like all right 50 50 we'll see but you mentioned the size and, and plus two the fact that he comes from New England played under this system under Belichick then you get the size physically imposing he's got that ideal size like a reef mentioned match up with some of the bigger alpha receivers in this again you need big guys in this man coverage scheme I think that's what Brian Flores is really looking for and I think think about it from Flores's perspective too it's a total youth movement i got so many young guys i'm installing a completely new playbook it's just nice to have a veteran in here who's been in the league under this playbook no less for his entire career granted what four years i just think during the early goings at least you know this first week or two at camp it kind of makes sense flores is leaning on and favoring a guy that just has experience and some mileage under his belt in this scheme specifically so you're right though i mean if he's the winner Right. Everybody say Jerome Williams is the winner. I guess Booth's got to be the loser. Right. And 
it's still early, but to see Evans and Williams now kind of supplant themselves ahead of Booth early on, it's not what you want. Certainly not great for your second round, early second round pick from last year. I will say Andrew Booth did pick Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. on Saturday. Terrible throw by Kirk. It was kind of like the Buffalo pick, like where he just didn't even see the DB. There were a lot of picks thrown Covering on Saturday. Covering JJ, right? Uh, I believe it was. Yeah, Kirk just was forcing it. And JJ on that play there, right? Really? <laughs> it was a lively Saturday practice. We had four interceptions, two bombs to JJ for touchdowns. Kirk threw a, like a 50-yard dime to him. Um, Lewis Seen made the best play I've ever seen him make, or any safe. It was one of the best safety plays I've ever seen a safety make. Like He crashed from a high safety position all the way to the sideline, and it was like a three-step drop. It wasn't like a long-developing route. It was a three-step drop, quick out. I mean, that, that's the thing that was most impressive about his play at Georgia, his ability, specifically the, the play that you're describing from a, a mm-hmm. single high safety position to buzz the flat for a pick. He did yeah. that at Georgia. Yeah. Downhill like, that's speed. the thing that was exciting, and it required mm-hmm. a high-level understanding of what the Georgia defense was trying to do and a very high-level understanding of what offenses do based off of tendencies. And yeah. that was the kind of the football IQ stuff that Dame Brugler had uh, complimented so much in a scouting report of Lewis Seen that it seemed very confusing in terms of why Lewis Seen wasn't seeing the field for the Vikings because his football IQ was supposed to be through the, he was supposed to be the smartest player on that really impressive Georgia defense. So it's nice to see kind of elements of that appear as we're kind of wondering if he's ever going to see the field for the team. Yeah. Arif, you got a roll. Have a good rest of your day. We'll talk on Thursday. All right. More Vikings takeaways then. All right. Peace out. Later. At Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. ProFootballNetwork.com. Luke Inman, let's take it home from here, my man. Um, I'm going to give you some more camp takeaways that I've got. You tell me whether you don't care, care a lot, or kind of care. We'll see how much you're overreacting about some of my notebook items. But first, uh, make sure you're following along at SiriusXM, Locked On Sports Minnesota, and all of Locked On partnered with SiriusXM and the SXM app. Get all of our shows, Ron Johnson Show, Minnesota Sports Rank, a Minnesota Football Party, and all the hometown broadcasts. Corey Provis calling the Twins games. They're going to St. Louis right now trying to get back on track against the Cardinals. Get that as well on the SXM app. Find us on YouTube, by the way, as well. Subscribe for free, also free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And comment below on YouTube, what do you think about the starting cornerback outlook, Jawan Williams and Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy Jr., right now for the Vikings. All right, Luke, um, I've got notes. Took them on Saturday. I do this every day. Tell me what you think about my observations. Jaron Hall threw two picks, and they weren't good either. They were not... uh, they were not the kind of pick where you say, wow, great play by the defensive guy. They were the kind of picks where he's airmailing. Um, I can't remember who it was. Threw it right to Makai Blackman. Then a really late throw. Najee Thompson undercut someone and picked it off. Uh, and I've seen a little bit of this from Jaron Hall already. He's not been accurate. He's not been on time. We're only four practices in, though. So do you kind of care? Do you care a lot? or you're not sweating it. You don't care at all. Anytime it comes to the quarterback position, especially a rookie that you drafted, use the fifth round pick. I definitely care. I just think, you know, once the dust settled after the draft and then you see him throwing mini camp and shorts and then even just watching this Netflix documentary, right. And realizing, man, even Kirk cousins was swimming in this playbook as a nine year veteran in the middle of the season. I think the expectations with Jaron Hall have been curbed, so to speak, as Mm -hmm. we've all slowly started to remember and realize that, all right, this was probably supposed to be just a redshirt year for him. Day three pick, fifth rounder, small school. He's in a perfect position, though, to sit back and learn behind two veterans and just absorb as much of the playbook and the verbiage as possible. I'll just say, you know, I haven't seen many live reps myself, but I will say, the guy has got the media part of his game down because anytime I've heard him speak to any of the reporters, he he's like an eight-year veteran, Sam. I mean, he's got all the one-liners down, and he's just he's saying and doing all the right things, even if it's not equating to good plays in production out on the field. So you mentioned the, the, the great veteran presence of Juwan Williams, right? Juwan Williams, 25 years old. He turns 26 on December 6th. Jaron Hall, 
25 years old. Wow. He turns 26 <laughs> three months after Juwan Williams. Just man. It, it's a, yeah. I mean, they're at very different stages of their career, um, but they are basically the same age. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Here's what else I have. Ivan Pace Jr. and Jaquelin Roy, two rookies regularly getting second team reps. What's your level of care about those two young guys really getting in the mix? Well, listen, there was a lot of pressure on this draft class to come in and like, yeah, I get it. Even the day three picks, it's tough to expect too much and expect the world from these guys. And again, four practices in, pump the brakes a little bit, but after what we saw in the little production we got from last year's draft class, there is some pressure on some of these guys to come in and at least look the part and perform and not look lost and say, okay, there's something here to be working with. I think it was Steve Weish from NFL Network was out at camp. Yes, He was talking to Gabe Henderson. I think you can listen to the interview up on Viking.com. He said he talked to Flores for 30 minutes and he said, all right, give me a few names that are really sticking out to you. He called out Ivan Pace Jr. specifically, Sam, as a guy who stuck out to him and really wowed him during not just the four practices, but going all the way back to rookie minicamp and OTAs and things like that. That's such great news to hear because with any UDFA specifically, you never know what to get. You always got to curb your expectations a little bit. But you and I have always been on the Ivan Pace train. We've been so excited about his potential, and we understand why he went undrafted and was a UDFA. 5'11", 230 at most, smaller inside linebacker. Is he going to be able to hand the physical punishment in the NFL, especially knowing what Brian Flores asks from his inside linebackers to move downhill and to chew up space? To hear he's looking really good and already with the two, Sam? Um, Mm -hmm. Knock on wood, that's a great sign for things to come for sure. And Jaquel and Roy, boy, I tell you what, you look at that D-line rotation, outside of your top two, I mean, I'm not even willing to to put Dean Laurie in that starting three yet. It's just a grab bag of rotation of guys that it feels like not only is it going to be a heavy rotation this year, you could see them keep maybe six of these names, but I think that third spot, that third rotation, outside of Tonga Mm -hmm. on first and second down, and Harrison Phillips, your leader, I think these jobs are up for the taking right now. And to see Jaquel and Roy work with the second team, you mentioned, I think you came back from OTAs and said you saw him with the ones at some point in some portion mm-hmm. of practice as well. That's a good sign for things to come for sure. I would say just this draft class as a whole, even though we've kind of picked on Jaron Hall a little bit, uh, good things on this draft class as a whole so far, just in the early goings, knowing how much pressure Quasey had to really produce from 2023 draft. Yeah, I feel like it's come at the expense a little bit of a Sezi. I haven't seen nearly as much a Sezi as I thought I would. He's been a lot with the threes, but and Jaquelin seems to have have leaped in front. But that is telling, though, Luke. Like if if a rookie, and this applies to Pace as well, if you've got a rookie in place of some guys that have been here for a bit, that says something. That says something about what the coaches observed all spring, what they believe the player can be, putting him in a position now to sort of play almost putting him in the position you expect him to finish at and letting him acclimate to that, um, which mm-hmm. I think is a good sign for their future, 100%. Um, uh, let me just ask you, just real quick, yeah. 10 seconds. Now that we're talking about the rookie class, have you seen anything or heard anything about Jay Ward, the nickel slash safety from LSU, day three pick as well? I've heard a lot about all the other rookies, including UDFAs like Ivan Pace, obviously. Haven't heard a lick about Jay Ward. Doesn't mean that's a bad thing. Yeah, um, he's buried right now. Okay. He's he's firmly with the threes. I've seen almost nothing of him with the twos. It's like mm-hmm. Jay Ward and Theo Jackson will get thrown out there with the threes. He, like I said this in the spring, he looks really small to me. It, mm-hmm. There's a difference between, you know, there, there's lean small. Like Jay Ward is, um, he's not that tall, right? Like sometimes if you're tall and lean, you can get away with it, but he's kind of on the shorter side and he's lean. I think he's got to add some muscle, some weight. Um, and the Vikings have, have said that as well. They'd like to see him gain about 10 pounds. And then um, 
So he's got a ball out on special teams. I mean, we've kind of given him yeah. a pass while we've done our final 53-man projections, our way too early mm-hmm. ones anyways. Kind of just assumed, all right, Quasey, youth movement, another, you know, day three draft pick. We're giving him a pass, but he's really got to show something on special teams if if he's expected to make this final 53. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that he could definitely get that pass. I think they, d- they don't want to give up on, what, a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick. Um, just because he's too small as a rookie, sometimes they they'll just let guys kind of float on uh, on special teams for a year. But yes, he does. Matt Daniels needs to take to him and make sure he can be used in that way. That should fit his skill set. Like they talked about his physicality and his hitting ability in college, that should play well for him. And also, Luke, he's at a really deep position group. Who are you going to demote? Are you going to demote Scene? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Are you going to demote Metellus? Probably not. So. It makes sense that he's stuck with the threes at that safety spot. Uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more of him and what he can do during joint practices and the games where we'll get a better idea. You know what um, I'm really curious about here is just Josh Metellus has carved out this specific, unique role for Brian Flores, right? Kind of like a joker package, right? That's a very specific role for a very specific skill set. If Josh Metellus goes down, right, all right, or needs a breather mm-hmm. even just for a series or two, you got to have the next guy in line because I can't change my entire game plan, right? So much of my plays revolve around this specific position and this player. I wonder if that's a guy like they think can be Jay Ward at some point down the line. That's interesting you say that because you know who I've seen in that role is Theo Jackson. Interesting. Okay, I've seen See, Theo Jackson being the backup Metellus. Mm. That's and good no to know. one's That's talking about info. Theo Jackson. It is. Yeah. No one's talking about this guy. Yeah. I barely know who Theo Jackson is. Um, but he I've noticed that. That's actually a great question and something I observed and kind of, you know, my, my antenna went up and he's right. got some size. He's 6'2, mm-hmm. 200, went to Tennessee, sixth round pick of the Titans last year that the Vikings must have picked up on waivers. Um, so and I don't know if they Ross. I don't know if Jackson was ever active for the Vikings, but um, he was on the roster most of the year last year. So mm. don't sleep on Theo Jackson. Yeah, good either. point. Yeah, good call out for sure. I was griping on Saturday, Luke. I was griping. You know what I was griping about? What happened? Matt Daniels gets up there and he he says, "We are in a kicking competition between Greg Joseph and Jack Podlesny." And I said, "Well." okay, when's the competition happening? Because you guys haven't kicked at all. I mean, how can you have a kicking competition if the guys are just, you know, kicking against air on the practice field? You got to give these guys live bullets. You got to give them a long snapper. You got to give them uh, like a real rush and like a field goal block team and see how they perform. You got to give them some pressure. They hadn't done any of that. Well, finally, Luke, they did it. They, They heard my gripes. And on Saturday, they sent the guys out, and they actually kicked 11 on 11. Greg Joseph, 6 out of 6. Mm. Jack Podlesny didn't get as many reps, 3 out of 3. Okay. Um, do you, What do you make? Do you care about this kicking competition? Do you think it's legit? Or do you think this is just like kind of a ultimate like insurance policy? They're sticking with Joseph. Do you think this is a real competition that they're holding? Yeah, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. It sounds like he's looked good out there at practice. Obviously, what you want, but I need to see a lot more before I come close to calling this an actual real competition because in this league, in the NFL, when it comes to kickers specifically, unless you're in a rebuild mode and just looking to develop a guy with some high upside, it is so hard to justify letting any veteran go who's coming off a season where he helped you win so many close games and made so many huge kicks to help you close out games in the fourth quarter. I mean, you can go through the list one by one, uh, game-winning kicks or go-ahead kicks in the final minutes. Saints game in London, 47-yarder. That's not a chip shot, 24 seconds left. In Washington, 12 seconds left to win it. 33-yarder in Buffalo the next week in overtime. Indy game, 40-yarder to complete the comeback, three seconds left. Um, I'm missing one. 61-yarder versus the Giants Big as one. time expires. Yeah, should I keep going? I mean, I, I don't think I can actually keep going. <laughs> I think that was all of them. That but was it. You yeah. get it. Like, you can't put a price on the experience a guy like that has to bring to the table. So I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I think it's more about having a plan B, a backup option in case anything went wrong or he got hurt. I know Greg Joseph has – 
I mean, sure, compared to other positions, it's not going to blow you out of the water, but he's got a healthy enough amount of guaranteed money to make me think mm -hmm. they they prefer to keep him if it was a 50-50 coin flip, right? I think it's more about having an insurance policy in case something goes wrong with Greg Joseph. Now you can bring in a guy that is comfortable with your long snapper, with the holder, understands, you know, just the whole entire, you know, team facility and locker room, everything else, right? He's been there. You're not bringing up someone cold turkey off the street. Um, that's what I think is really going on here. But we'll see. It remains to be seen. We'll see. That's not to say that things couldn't get a little bit more heated, I guess, as we get into, uh, you know, the real scrimmages coming up with the Titans and Cardinals and then mm -hmm. the actual preseason games as well. But right now, oh boy, heavy, heavy house money on Craig Joseph to win this so-called uh, kicking battle. Yeah, because again, I don't think they're starting from an even place. Right. I, I think that Greg Joseph would have to do a tremendous amount of tanking mm -hmm. his own stock for this to become an even competition. So that probably means like if they have another field goal, you know, obsession, he would probably have to go two of six, you know, like there would have to be some real meltdown stuff for him to get back on Jack Podlesny's level. Although I hear they call Jack Podlesny hot pod in his college circles, hot pod is what he was called at Georgia. And if we can have hot pod as our kicker, kind of like it. If we can have hot pod on like the it. pod, oh my God, Sam, worlds colliding. That that'd be outstanding. Hey, I know we're kind of wrapping up. What what's been like the coolest guy? I saw Chris Carter was out there. I think maybe Pat Williams. Every year's a little yeah. bit different. I know. Just some kind of fun light notes that you may have. Any other big names that you saw talking to other people as well, and and maybe just what you're looking forward to today now coming up, starting a new week of practice. Yeah, pads on today, by the way. So the the Hot hitting sweat. ramps up. We'll see if Daniel is out there in pads. I guess I'd be a little surprised if mm -hmm. just on his first day on the field. They right. put him in pads. I, I could see him maybe just doing individuals today and then sitting out the team portion. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's not the weather's not quite as bad or formidable this week. So maybe guys can can jump right into it. But uh, you mentioned big Pat Williams still looks like he could play, man. I mean, he looks like he could strap him on and he could play the Kyrie's Tonga role. He could be the big body in there. A lot of, you know, a lot of these guys, and I don't think Pat looks out of shape at all. Like, I still he he still looks fit, but he's still three bills. Mm -hmm. Like I think he's a lot of some of these guys they shed a hundred pounds, right? Right. I think he's still like a fit three hundred. Um, looked great, honestly. And Chris Carter, um, good to see him. Like I think that's someone who is such a good ambassador for the team. And when you get a new receiver coming in here, Jordan Addison, who's made already made a pretty big misstep. Um, to have Carter around just as, as a touch point mm -hmm. and for those two to connect, I think is so important. Huge. And I also, I love seeing Jefferson and Carter's relationship where it's at, because some guys might have jealousy, right. About their place in like Vikings lore. Like, Oh, this guy thinks he's going to be the best receiver in team history. Come on. Look right. what I did. Right. But Chris, I think Chris is already like ready to step over for it. Like mm -hmm. everything he said, he's very, very um, welcoming of what Justin Jefferson means. So uh, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. What, what did he say when you mentioned, hey, you uh, ended up getting the fourth and final spot on our on our Locked On Sports Minnesota Vikings Mount Rushmore? What was his reaction there in he, real time? He, he said, oh, you should have gone with John Randall. <laughs> no, actually, he said you should have gone with AP. And then I said, well, Chris, he's not part of the Ring of Honor yet. And he said, oh. That's all oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I got the list pulled up today. You know, they have these legends autographs. So it's some cool big names coming out. Gene Washington, John Henderson, Oscar Pumpkin Seed Reed. Remember on the Rankham show, we did top five Vikings running backs not named Dalvin last week. Go check that episode out if you haven't already. Oscar Pumpkin Seed Reed in my honorable mentions. Titans joint practice will be here before you know it. I know we're still, yeah. you know, technically 16 days out on the calendar schedule, but uh, it's going to fly by and it's going to go quick. And they're going to have to start trimming some things down here before you know it. And things are going to start looking real and getting intense when it comes to these battles. So pads put on today. Things are, I expect, going to ramp up quite a bit today and this week as you're out there at TCO. 100%. And my last observation 
it's the funniest contrast between Rick Spielman, the GM, oh, man. and Quasi, the GM. Do you remember Rick, the Rick position? I he was like the high safety, right now. the yep. high safety, forty yards behind the line of scrimmage, middle of the field. Like, let's got see the stance. You got the stance. Yep, yep. hands behind back. Yep. <laughs> no pad pen. <laughs> it just laser focused, jotting stuff down. Oh, yeah. oh, there's a missed assignment by Jay Ward. Gonna have to call his agent later today. Okay. Yeah. Now the qua- the quasi stance. It's it's flip flops. It's always flip flops. Is it really? Okay. He rolls out usually late to practice too. He doesn't want to watch warm ups. Rolls out late. Stands on the sideline in flip flops. He's usually got a football in his hands. He's like he's flipping it up. Love it. He's practicing his his uh, his grip. I don't know if he's taking notes or not. Maybe it's just mental notes, but it is such a vibe. I love it, you, man. You would never I, know he was the GM. I know KOC was getting interviewed when NFL Network was there, and he was like, yeah, they have me throw a couple passes, and they always rip on me. I'm not very good anymore. Have you actually seen KOC throwing some guys, some passes, and actually getting out there and running some routes with these guys? Oh, I feel like I saw it last year once. I can't remember. Okay. Maybe maybe Not I don't much. get there early enough. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of showing up late like crazy too. I don't want to always watch these guys stretch, but they, I think they were I, making fun. Of, he said, "You know what? These guys make fun of me. They say my my spiral isn't as tight as it used to be." Basically, so he's losing a little bit. But I didn't know if that was out, you know, in the open for people to see. I would love to see how much zip on the ball KOC still has on a. 15 yard out route on the hashes on the far hash sam i'd love to see it i'd like to see him coaching up this jaron hall kid right uh jaron's got yeah he needs a quarterback in his life to show him how to throw a spiral uh that's all for today on the minnesota football party luke and i back tomorrow talking more vikings training camp impressions maybe from a daniel hunter press conference and potentially a daniel hunter practice as well at luke underscore spinman find him on twitter I'm at Sam Ekstrom, also part of the Ron Johnson Show and Minnesota Sports Rankum. Subscribe on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in every day for Minnesota Vikings training camp updates. That's all for now on Locked on Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 